I just wanted to share a little uh, bit about my background um, and experience in agriculture and, and have a sense of uh, my journey with, with God. We all have a, uh, a journey, and it's uh, going to be fun through eternity to hear and, and share those. So anyway, you can see I've, um, you know, I'm an old guy, so I have a lot of, have a lot of experience, done a lot of different things. Started off on a farm, actually, a tree farm. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, that's uh, what they call the timber business. And my father had a, had a vision for uh, making a living uh, with um, trees in Appalachia. So I'm from the Appalachian Mountain region. I'm guess, uh, I guess I'm what you would call Scotch-Irish. Uh, anyway, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Um, aspect of it. So, I have much to share with you this, on this amazing topic this morning, and so I ask you to please buckle up and listen fast, uh, and I'm, I'm going to move right along. So let me start by asking you a question. Uh, what is the one thing, the one issue at the center of the great controversy? I would like to submit to you that it's about whether God can be trusted or not. The gospel is not really just that God has forgiven our sins, but that he loves us with an eternally self-sacrificing love, and that he can be trusted to do only what is for our best good. And I'm speaking to you from the heart. This is, this is my personal struggle. This is my personal issue. Why I don't always do what God has instructed me. And I don't think I'm unique uh, in that experience. Certainly Paul wrote a lot about it to his own struggle. In fact, Paul described himself as chief among sinners. And uh, so my desire and my design in this topical study today is to see how agriculture and health fit into God's plan for revealing himself and demonstrating his love so that we can really know him, love him, and put ourselves fully and totally in the center of his benevolent will. So let's ask God to do this for us as we explore this topic. If you would, I want to just have a prayer uh, this morning. Our Father in heaven, Christ our creator and redeemer, Holy Spirit, our comforter and teacher, have mercy upon us. Help us see this matter as you view it, Lord, and want us to understand it. May we gain a deeper perspective and on working the soil and how it relates to your plan to redeem us and restore all that was lost when our forefather sinned against your will. As you have taught us, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So my personal studies have led me to believe that agriculture and health is a vital part of the 
Day of Atonement. Of the Day of Atonement, three angels cleansing of the sanctuary. But also that we as God's people do not yet fully grasp its role and importance in the redemption of man and resolution of the great controversy. To establish some context for what I'm about to share, recall that the Day of Atonement in heaven began on October in October of 1844. Recall that a very special work was done not only in the sanctuary, in the earthly sanctuary on the typical Day of Atonement, but also in the camp. Each family head did no ordinary work on that Day of Atonement, but sat in the door of his tent, afflicting his soul in a, in a confessing, repentant spirit, making sure that his heart was right with God. I, sorry, I didn't, I forgot. So here's, forgot to watch the slides. So here's, I'm, I'm basically sharing from what we, we read in Leviticus 23. And I'm not going to read these. I put the scriptures on, on slides so that hopefully we, I can move a little faster instead of waiting for you to be able to look them up in your Bibles. Although I, if you have your Bible and want to look them up, that's wonderful. But friends, we're, we are living in the most momentous part of eternity, in a sense. What, what part of eternity will be more fraught with significance than the time in which we are living? We're living at the end and the conclusion of the great controversy. And so, I mean, everything I do, everything that um, we do, is in that context. And it's, it's, it doesn't frighten me. It does sober me, but it doesn't frighten me. It, it actually makes me excited. We are, I mean, you, you realize the, the scriptures tell us that the, the prophets of old, the angels, longed to be in the time where we are. They, they wanted to be here and, and part of this. What a privilege. What a privilege we have. But it's also a sobering call, call to study, to prayer, to contemplation that we might really be all that God wants us to be and, and desires to use us to do. So what we are doing is no ordinary work. All right, well, let's, let's get to the meat of our topic then. So that's the context for this. It's a study on agriculture and health in the context of the great controversy and the cleansing of the sanctuary. So what is Agriculture. Well, I believe in its purest form and deepest meaning. It's what you might say, working the soil to produce and maintain the products of the soil. It certainly includes growing food, but doesn't it include growing non-edibles as well? Of course, we have flowers. We've had a, a little, uh, so Christina, I believe is her name, that is uh, doing flowers as agriculture. But ultimately, I want to say to you, if you go deeper, I believe it's about restoring and maintaining the condition of the soil and its products 
as they came from the Creator's perfect hand. In other words, to dress it and keep it. When God saw that it was good, there at Genesis 1.10. So, and, and then the other part, what is health? Well, I believe health is about restoring what was lost when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and suffered the consequences of becoming subject to death. Health is not simply about physical well-being, although that is surely part of it. Isn't real health about restoring the condition in which mankind and the creation were created? And that includes optimal physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And we see here Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That's the description of health, as I understand it from scriptures and, and my own personal studies. So I believe this, the core topic, agriculture and health, is about dressing and keeping the soil with the purpose of redeeming mankind from the effects of Eden's fall. To speak of agriculture in the sense of food production only is to take a narrow and I would say somewhat secular perspective. We need to look at agriculture as God looks at it, not as man in his fallen sinful state does. And to speak of health in the sense of mere physical wellness is to take also, I believe, a narrow, somewhat secular perspective as well. We need to look at health as, as God looks at it, not as fallen sinful mankind does. So it is my hope and intent, by God's grace, to open our eyes to how God looks at working the soil in relation to the plan of salvation and how that relates to experiencing complete health and helping our neighbors experience health. You know, I think that we are, as beings, as human beings, I believe we are too prone to looking at what we can do, what, what uh, we, we conceive like for our careers, for our lives, for our, like I'm a, I'm a physician, you, you may be a farmer, someone here may be an accountant, whatever. We look at our work as, and think of it almost entirely as what can I do? And it's nothing, I mean, it is important. Our part is an essential but infinitesimally small part of it. What we need to, I, I want to learn to do, and I want to encourage you, us, all of us, I want us to learn how to actually not think so much about what I can do, but what God can and wants to do through me. What he, in other words, I'll talk about this more later, talk I'm giving today, but I do want to share with you that, you know, why would a 50-year-old guy go back to school to study medicine? You know, it's really stupid in, in the sense of, I mean, I was in the, when I went back to school, medical school at 48, I was sort of in the peak of my career, if you want to say that. Why in the, 
And, and you know, the thing that led me to, to go back to school uh, is amazing to me now. But at the time, it was so obvious. And that was that our, we have been called, do you understand this? We have been called to change the practice of medicine. God established Seventh-day Adventist health message not to survive uh, in the middle of a secular world, but to change the way we do medicine. And I had worked in Blue Cross and Blue Shield and been around uh, health institutions long enough to know that we weren't doing a very good job of it. But who in the world am I to think that I could make a difference? Well, I am a child of God. All it takes for you to change this world is for you or me to step into God's will unreservedly. I want to be more completely and unreservedly in his will. He will change the world with 12 of us. And we've got a room full. Anyway, I mean, dear ones, (laughs) humility is right. It is good to be humble. But it is not good to be timid. (laughs) Be bold, but not reckless in the confidence of what God is going to do. He is going to do what he has said he will do. And he will use you. He'll use me. If not, he will use someone else. Well, that's, that was not part of the sermon, but that's part of my passion. Uh, so anyway, this is not a sermon, but it seems like one. So anyway, um, if we were to ask an ordinary person on the street to define agriculture... We might be told, uh, well, it's farming. Others, uh, others might say agronomy. You know, a little more education there. Maybe agribusiness, like Archer Daniels Midland. You know who that is? Or Conagra. Or Monsanto. I guess we all know Monsanto for a different reason. But others might say, well, it's gardening. Or perhaps they might just say, well, it's growing food. That's agriculture. What might you say? Seriously, in its deepest meaning and significance, what really is agriculture? Oh, what did I do? Go too far ahead? So, besides the fact that it was... Oh, here it is. Besides the fact that it was one of God's chosen occupations for Adam and the human race, you do realize that, right? Think about it for a moment. We're not talking about in a sinful state. We're talking about in in a pre-sinful state. In the original design, everything is good. What was Adam's occupation? It was I I don't know, but it was agriculture. It was it was gardening. It was, but those words don't get to the depth of it. The purpose of his occupation was actually the development of his character. It was more like play in many ways, than like work, as we know work. And anyway, I mean, there's so many thoughts here that uh, if I'm not careful, I won't possibly. And what I really hope that you can do is, if this touches you, that you will spend some contemplative time thinking about there's so many points to be made. It's like uh, the little story that, that, that shared just before I came on about farm stew. 
you could you could think a long and hard time about the things that were brought up there and that, that the possibilities of of helping uh, the people in Africa and around the world with agriculture. So uh, here we see the occupation that God gave Adam and Eve described right there in Genesis. And the Lord God planted a garden. Who planted the garden? God is also a gardener. Eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Another thing I want to point out to us is that the tree of the forbidden fruit, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, was present in the garden's perfect state. As I understand our free will and the great controversy, we will never be unable to make a wrong choice. We will simply choose not to do so. Heaven is not about removing our ability to sin, our ability to choose to sin. I do, agree, I do believe we understand that the tree on this earth and on the other planets, uh, the forbidden fruit will be removed after the great controversy is ended. That's my understanding. But the point is, the choice is there. And the presence of that tree of knowledge of good and evil did not make the garden evil. And I'm sharing it because I believe there's room for significant and deep thought about that. Because I think that we, we, don't we don't realize the extent to which we have been beguiled by sin and this world. We do not realize the extent to which our thinking has been manipulated and, and, and confused. It's good. Uh, you can't spend your entire day thinking deeply about these things or you won't be able to eat lunch or supper. So I know we have to work. But it is also important to take some time for deep, reflective thinking about ourselves and God's uh, will for us. I find it interesting um, that although God could speak anything into existence, and he did speak plants into ex uh, existence, let's see here, um, we read in Genesis 1.11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass. So he spoke it. The herb yielding seed and the fruit yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. But that he personally planted the garden of Eden. We just read that. And placed Adam there. <laughs> uh, as the spirit of prophecy tells us, this was to be Adam's home. The garden was not... Um, that's interesting. You know, I, I don't live in my garden. At least I don't think. <laughs> maybe I was just saying that. I thought, well, maybe I do in a way. But I don't live in my garden. I, I go to my garden from my home, usually, to, to work in the garden. But it, so what I'm trying to help us realize is that for Adam, the garden was his home. I mean, there's, these were synonymous. Isn't that interesting to think about that just a bit? Um, and perhaps there are places in the world where a, a person could have a garden and it could be their home. I mean, usually the reason I wouldn't do that is, is uh, it gets cold and wet at night and I prefer to be dry and warm. Uh, but it's, still, it's very interesting. Think about it. Why is it important to think about it? 
uh, I, we often tell some of our, our uh, friends that about making lifestyle changes. Well, you know, um, in heaven, in eternity, we're not going to be eating each other. We're not going to be eating animals either. So we don't want you to have culture shock when you get to heaven. You can just go ahead and practice being a vegetarian. Here it works. It's much easier. Anyway, sort of a lot of humor, uh, tongue-in-cheek there. But the point is, it is worth thinking about what uh, life was like uh, in the garden so that we can have a clearer picture of, of what God's ideal for us is. Um, do I have in here, yes, this statement about the, it was not only their home, it was a school. The school, it was a home school in a garden. The garden was the home school. I mean, you, you can't separate them. And we have this council that agriculture is the ABC of true education. And so this was a triune, this wonderful triune, a home, school, and a garden. So when you're thinking about your home and your school, etc., and your garden, it can't get better than, than Eden, right? You, you, we can't improve on it. I guess you're aware of that. So, so that's my goal, is I want to approach it as closely as possible. So yes, indeed, God is an amazing agriculturalist. He not only created plants to grow from the soil, but the scripture also says that he formed man and beast from the soil. Genesis 2, 7 and 19. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the first part of verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. Did you know that? This is would you not say that work in the soil is agricultural? So, in a sense, these were agricultural products. <laughs> you are an agricultural product. Uh, and, you know, I, I realize you can take these things to extreme and, and stretch it, but, but there's, a, I believe, a very useful point here, and that is agriculture, my friends, is much broader and deeper than we have commonly conceived of it, and it is certainly much more than producing food for Walmart and Kroger and HEB. It's about character. It's about our very being. It's about eternity. You know, we are still going to be doing agriculture in the earth made new. It's not like, okay, we, you know, you guys, I, I, that is one of the reasons I have to do agriculture is my occupation as a physician is over, basically, when we, when we get to heaven. I mean, I'm not, there's not going to be sick people. It's not going to be broken. I mean, so... I'd just be idle if I didn't have another occupation. I'm somewhat kidding, but but it is serious that there is no need for doctors uh, as we know them here. Um, See where I am on that slide. All right. So um, shouldn't we then include the creation of the fowls and the beasts along with man himself as the act of God, the agriculturalist? Of course. And... uh, It's interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. So when God, when Christ, God the Son, we believe is the creative agent, right? He's the one that formed you, or our, our ancestor from the, from the soil that he had created. He formed Adam, breathed in his breath, into his nostrils the breath of life. Do you realize that when he created Adam, he knew 
this was the being he was going to be incarnate. He, he, he created the being that he knew he as God the Son was going to become one of. He, he's one of us now. You, God, Christ, God the Son is forever the Son of Man. Isn't that, I mean, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm strange, but I find it so interesting to contemplate that fact. And, and think about, by the way, another thing, I know this is, oh boy, I'm going to be in trouble here, but, because um, I'm off, getting off the script, but think about it a moment. He, isn't that a, the only fair way for him to be for eternally limited to, the, to mankind was for him to be the one who created man. Was, I mean, I remember when we were kids, we used to, there was nine of us kids, and we did a lot of dividing of things and sharing. So, and we had this little rule that whoever divided, the other one got to choose. And so we, did, we, we became very expert at cutting exactly in half. Like, well, anyway, so a little humor there. But anyway, point is uh, that it, it's fair. It's a wonderful plan that God the Son created the beings, the race, which he would then be incarnate to die for sin in the great controversy. So, but all of this only begins to capture what's encompassed in uh, the work of agriculture. It goes deeper. I believe that Scripture teaches us that working the soil is the foundational occupation, as I've been sort of saying, that other occupations actually uh, essentially flow from that one calling. I mean, whether you're talking about uh, mining, manufacturing, welding. I mean, see, we've got welding classes here. Uh, sales, carpentry. It doesn't, in a sense, all of those things are in the support of working the soil. And I w- I'm not taking anything away. I don't mean to take anything away from whatever occupations are represented here. Uh, but my point is, when you look at it, it's all supporting, ultimately. I mean, what is the one thing that we all need more than, it, than anything else? The one thing that's essential is uh, food. And, in fact, think about this for a moment. In the, in the Garden of Eden, they really did not have a need for clothes. They had a robe of light. They didn't have a need for a home. They had a garden. That was their home. So the one thing that they had need of was food. And that was provided uh, in abundance in the garden. So there wasn't any need for Adam to be a carpenter as we know it. He, he, you know, to build a home or, or whatever. He, he dressed and kept the garden. So, um, so it might seem extreme, that idea that uh, just gave. So I just share a couple of texts here about um, that when you look at the sequence of the creation, God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed after its kind. The point is that he created it to, to be sustaining, self-sustaining, each bringing forth after its kind. And, uh, and he saw that it was very good. And then we see in um, Genesis one twenty eight, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. I think we often have forgotten the replenish straight statement there and focused on the subduing. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God basically gave Adam, our ancestor, um, our progenitor, the dominion over everything that he had created on the earth and the earth itself. And so Adam was to be an agriculturalist and a husbandman, caring for and protecting all living things. Um, And most of them came from the soil, were formed from the soil. There was no death or dying. Um, You know, Adam was given his diet in Genesis 1.29. The animals were given a different diet, actually, there. I believe it was was verse 28. Um, And there was... There wasn't the competition that I sometimes experience with the animals on my property. Uh, we, we, we seem to have a contest over who's going to get the garden. Uh, thank God I usually win with uh, a fence or whatever it may be. I've often, you know, well, that's a, I don't have time to go there. But it's interesting to think about other ways of controlling large animals. I enjoyed the presentation Joshua gave on that, and it was beneficial. But anyway, so... Um, The garden was their home, and they beautified and uh, trained it. In fact, it's interesting about the, I want you to think for a moment about the interaction that Adam and Eve had with the creation and with the creatures. It says that they they, uh, studied God's second book. It says here in, in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 50, that they held converse with every part of creation in, from the Leviathan in the uh, deep to the insect moat in the sunbeam. Uh, they studied God's second book deeply and thoroughly. You know, one of my favorite topics, I wasn't raised as a Christian, uh, but I, I came to love uh, science and mathematics. And I remember how I loved science. It was so exciting to learn the, the way things worked. The, the, I mean, the, not only the way things work, but the way this universe works. I still find it absolutely astounding. I love chemistry and physics and so on because it helps you understand um, why this thing that I'm holding my hand does what it does, how it is that I can speak towards this thing here and somehow it, it vibrates the wave sound, the air in the room, so it comes across to you as, as an amplified voice. It, 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 those things all are very understandable. Well, Adam and Eve, I believe, studied even deeper beyond that. I, I, I can't wait. I can hardly wait till I can have that kind of, of converse and understand God's cre- creation even more deeply. And I don't care who you are and what your level of interest and where your expertise is. Uh, all of us are going to have that privilege. We're all going to be, uh, find joy in eternity studying the things that God has done and the way he's done them. So, um, they had this wonderful occupation and experience. I, gotta, where, I need to, where's the clock that I should be watching? Is there one in the room? Okay, I guess if I don't see one, you don't either. Uh, <laughs> no, that doesn't work, does it? Uh, let's see. I've got my, okay. So, um, then, then they sin. They, they ate the forbidden fruit. There's a whole, you know, you know, there's a whole sermon and a whole study that you could go into about that process. We don't, that's not the point. But when they, things changed, their occupation didn't change. 
Realize that? God didn't change their occupation. It, the nature of their occupation changed tremendously. Let's see here. Yes, and so here we see in Genesis 3, um, and I won't read it. Uh, you're familiar with it, and you can read it on the screen faster than I could. Um, but it, is, it changed the way things operated. And God made it, God intentionally changed the nature of things. It says what? That the, he cursed the ground for my sake. For Adam's sake, you know, for thy sake. So, um, and he, he gave the sentence there that, that Adam and Eve would, dying they would die. Let me see here. Am I getting... So, uh, you know, if I were to ask an ordinary Christian today why it is so much labor to grow our food, they might, if they're familiar with the Bible, they might say it's because God cursed the ground. But the fuller truth is that God cursed the ground for our sake. We do not need to curse the challenge or the, the sweat or the labor that we have to go into to, to work the soil. It's a blessing. We actually should thank God for that. And I'm a regular human being. Yes, when I've got bees, you know, chasing me and I've got flies biting me and I've got sweat pouring off of me, uh, I don't, my natural reaction is, wow, this is wonderful. Uh, no, no, I don't have that. Uh, but by evening, I, and reflect on it, I think, thank you, God. Thank you for this blessing. Um, you know, at one place is a statement, I believe, that Ellen White wrote. She said that the glory of God is laying the glory of man in the dust or something to that. I can't remember the exact wording, but, but it, it may be because, you know, my biggest, my biggest problem, there's no doubt about it, before I was converted and, and my friends fairly freely told me later, was I, I was I, pride. I, I grew up somehow with tremendous pride. I think it was probably a defense against feelings of self-inadequacy, but, but I, I was, oh, I'm unbelievably prone to being proud. Of, of, and, and then, thank God, when I was converted, I was proud of what? what? What in the world is there about me to be proud of? There's, I mean, not, don't need to be ashamed, which all children of God, but pride. There's no, there's no place there's no rational basis for any of us to be proud. Well, anyway, so, uh, but it's, it's for our good. So, um, what is health? Let's take a look at it a little deeper now. If we ask an ordinary person about uh, health and reliability and say, well, not being sick, uh, or wellness, or maybe feeling good and being strong, But let's look at health in its most basic form, its deepest significance. What is health from God's perspective? So we're told that Jesus, uh, during his ministry, devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. In fact, um, if you look at Luke 5, uh, the story about the healing of the paralytic, it's really clear that healing is an essential part of the gospel. He says, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin, and that's what most people think the gospel is, the forgiveness of sin. He says, and they say unto the paralytic, to rise, take up your bed. So the healing is an essential authentication 
of the gospel. And without it, I want to suggest to you, that's part of the reason the gospel seems to have so little power. The gospel is what changes the world. The gospel is what ends the great controversy. And victory, by the way. And, and, and healing. So you don't have to be a doctor, by the way. In fact, being a doctor is actually oftentimes gets in the way of true healing. Honestly. Because I remember a friend of mine told me plainly, she says, you know, uh, we're both in lifestyle medicine. She told me plainly, she says, you know, John, my biggest problem when I see a patient in the lifestyle center for the, for the first few years was to just forget, not fall into the, to the routine I had been taught for so many years. You know, diagnosis, prescription, you know, etc. I, I, I had to learn to think differently than I somehow learned in my training. And uh, anyway, so healers are us, all of us. In fact, I would argue with you that, the, that a true agriculturalist is more of a healer than a conventional or secular physician. So, all right. I must. So health, we already talked about this, was the state or condition which God created not only Adam and Eve, but all of creation. Let me see. I think I may have another. Oh, by the way, that statement there uh, about thou shalt surely die. I understand that uh, dying ye shall die is a, perhaps a more accurate translation. You could study into that a bit. It's very interesting. So all sickness and death came from the sin of eating the forbidden fruit. And, and I used to think that was all sort of like ethereal. That was, well, that's a, that's a, a generalized, spiritualized uh, description. You know, they disobeyed and that led to, the, to God, you know, saying they would die. I want to suggest to you that the more we've learned about genetics, especially epigenetics, that it may be a whole lot more actually an explanation than just some description. Uh, I think you know that food has a major impact on our gene expression. And it's, it's not inconceivable now what we know in science that there could have literally been, it was the eating of that fruit that led to a large portion or even all of the consequences. Whereas I used to think that was sort of, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use? Yeah, arbitrary and, and just a description, you know, like, well, you know. But anyhow, I'm, I'm, I'm just suggesting to you that science is indicating it may be more tangible and specific than we realized. So, uh, where am I here? You know, the, 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 uh, I remember when we first started trying to tame our piece of property that we had years ago. Uh, it was just full of briars and things, and it was very difficult to clear those fields. And I wonder where they came from. Well, here's, we have this amazing statement. Uh, first Bible commentary page 86, that uh, the briars and thorns are the result of Satan's work and not of God's doing. And so the point is, sin brought sickness and death. And so wouldn't you agree then that true health is the reversal of sin's effects on life and on the creation? So now when we consider the topic of health agriculture and health in this context of what we've been talking here, we get a completely different perspective 
than we might have it at first before we thought about some of these things. We begin to understand that working the soil as God intends is indeed key to reversing the effects of sin. Reversing the effects of sin produces health, the original state of mankind and all of God's creation. Now, I'm not suggesting that we can restore Eden before the close of sin and, and, and the glorification. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I realize we don't get back to Eden until the second coming and, and the earth made new. But we are told plainly in the spirit of prophecy, and I believe in the Bible, if we could understand it right, that God's intent is for us to be as fully in harmony with his will as is possible, even on this earth of sin. So let's consider some practical applications, okay? Uh, And close up here. Um, First, let's remind ourselves that the crux of the great controversy is about trusting God to do only what is for our best good. You know, until we come to trust him fully and know his very personal love for us, we will struggle with selfishness and disobedience. It's just, it's just gonna, it's a fact. It's, it's inescapable. Like Eve, we are drawn to that which God has lovingly and wisely forbidden. And like Adam, we see no course but to join those we love in their sins. We need more than anything to realize that God always has a marvelous solution for our needs. Do you know that, that we're told that, that Adam should have been faithful and realized God had a solution for the problem when Eve arrived with the armful of forbidden fruit? It was, it was not inevitable that he had to join her in that to avoid the, the you know, he feared the loss of, of uh, half of him. And, but, but the temptation was, was, was amazingly strong and he fell. So true happiness can only come from loving, trusting, obedience to every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. We need, like Robert and Michelle Sullivan, I shared their testimony last night, really, really a blessing to me, reaffirmed in me the commitment to decide to do only and exactly what God has asked us to do. So do we trust that God's plan for a garden homeschool is best for us and our families? Are we willing to surrender the apparent convenience and material benefits of living in the city? Do we see that we cannot truly minister properly to others until we ourselves are in obedience to what God has revealed to us? And too often we are trying to do ministry in our own strength. As someone has cleverly said, we're working for God like the devil. And we, do we see that failure to follow any part of God's instruction? I'm sorry. Has, oh, that any part of what God has said holds us, it holds us back from developing a character for eternity. You know, the watching universe must 
know, must come to know. God, God has committed himself. He will show irrefutable evidence to the watching universe that John Kelly, that you, that the remnant people are safe to save and restore to heaven's fellowship. There isn't going to be a doubt that we are safe to save. And that thought motivates me personally greatly to reaffirm my commitment that I want to do today only what God wants me doing today. Oh, Lord God, may you... Uh, I just My heart is again... I want that. I want to be changed to be that type of a person and character. So, uh, a couple more things. Agriculture should be the A, B, and C of the home garden-based education we give our children. And by the way, the education for eternity that our God is giving us. You realize when I take myself out of the garden, I make it more difficult for God to prepare my character for eternity. Do you, do you understand that? Let me say it again. When I take myself out of the garden experience, I make it more difficult for God to prepare my character for eternity. I, I've studied that. I believe the one possible exception, and I'm not convinced it's really an exception, might be if I take myself out of the garden specifically to preach the gospel. I do believe that, that there is, um, we're told that there's two occupations, that we are co-workers, close co-laborers with God. One is in soul winning, and two is in agriculture and gardening. So that's why I wonder if maybe that's an exception. But I, but we're told, she plainly tells pastors that they need to spend there as much doing his will in the garden as they are in the pulpit. So, so I'm not sure that's an exception. I think it's not safe. I'm going to stay in the garden myself uh, or with the garden. So uh, where was it? Oh, how about, you know, this does require self-sacrifice and self-denial. There's no denying that. But then I want to tell you, are you aware? She says there are two lessons that all must learn who would enter heaven's gates, and that is self-denial and self-sacrifice. And some, she says, goes that statement goes on to say, and I, I looked this morning and, and I couldn't find it, so I'm sorry I don't have it on here. I, I know it well, though. <laughs> it applies to me. But she says, some learn these lessons under the gentle discipline of love while others only under the hard discipline of pain and suffering. So I say thank God for pain and suffering because I'm not always learning them under the gentle discipline of love. So in short, we need to adopt God's original diet and way of living in every part of our lives and ministry. Agriculture and learning are part of our entire eternal future. So I want to close my appealing to each of us to spend some thoughtful time, I would say each week at least, contemplating the relationship between working the soil and salvation, our salvation and our helping our neighbors to be saved, to have full health. I invite you to listen to what I'm going to share 
even though I know we can't all be there, but I think you'll find the presentation I'm going to give a little later this morning in a breakout session also um, useful and insightful where we talk about agriculture and lifestyle centers. Lifestyle centers is a, really the right arm of the work. So thank you for your time and attention. I don't think I ended up having enough time for any questions. Uh, I, I think the time is up, if I'm not mistaken. If I might, can I have a prayer with you? Oh, Father in heaven, Father of us all, our, our gardener, Father, our, our, our agriculturalist, Father, our, our loving creator that created this world knowing that it was going to become the center of the universe when the great controversy ends in a glorious victory. Yes, we're sad. We know that many, there will be those who will be lost. But nonetheless, the great controversy is going to end in a wonderful victory. And it will make God even more understandable and lovable, if I can say it that way, to all of his created beings. Lord, help us to understand that you have told us agriculture is the ABC, the first part it is the first thing it is the occupation designed to help us to have a character for heaven and eternity we thank you in jesus name amen this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading god's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons please visit www.audioverse.org